Welcome to Isolation U, the podcast about living and learning in the time of COVID. The pandemic has put parts of our economy on a respirator. And if you're a student trying to make ends meet or trying to take some baby steps into the working world, that can be a little unnerving, especially if you're graduating. Today on Isolation U, we look at how students are making it work when it comes to finding work. Hey folks, I'm Laura McDonald, and I wish I could have collected CERB all summer. And I'm Shannon Nickerson, an ADHD-ridden student who hates working. Same. But that's what the show's about. Ah, shit. Who am I fooling? I'm from Cape Breton, where we all ride the pogey train. Have you been able to work during the pandemic? Um, barely. Most of it was fighting with anti-maskers in the Walmart I worked at. Did you get any work last summer? Sure did. (laughs) I worked at a store that sold hemp products inside the cruise pavilion in Sydney, but there were no cruise ships, so not too busy. Hemp, huh? So you take all the good stuff out. I'm so sorry for you. Yeah, my hours were cut back, and I only ended up getting minimum wage, but a lot of students had internships lined up, and not all of them came through because of COVID, which is kind of a drag because they can be an important stepping stone to a permanent job. Jasmine Gidney has been looking into how the pandemic affected students' internships at St. Thomas University. She joins us now. Welcome, Jasmine. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. So, as I understand, internships are a big part of experiential learning here at St. Thomas. Yeah, like, they're a pretty big deal for a lot of students. I was talking with Clara Santa Cruz about why internships are important. She's the manager of experiential and community-based learning at STU. She said internships help students gain job experience and can help them make professional connections. The internships are a good mix of humanities and social sciences, so there's something for almost everyone. This fall, there are about 50 internships, all of which are paid. Claire said students do a lot of meaningful work and should be compensated for what they do. Interesting. It seems like these internships are, like, super great. But what are some of the struggles that come with COVID-19 regulations? Well, with a lot of students working from home, Claire said students find it difficult to make connections in the workplace. I think that the main challenge is that students are find, having trouble connecting maybe with their new co-workers or getting to feel as much as part of a team at the workplace. That has been difficult and I think it's also difficult for all workplaces. All, even here at the university, it's difficult to maintain like a strong bond when you are connecting again through Microsoft Teams or Zoom. But even with some setbacks, Claire said there are some folks to being online. Remote internships open the door for more opportunities. Students living outside of New Brunswick or even Canada can now apply to these internships. I mean, Hannah Rutherham, a journalism student in this class, was able to intern as the Fredericton correspondent for Huddle, even though she was working at Cape Breton. It's pretty cool. That is cool, but I'm assuming not all internships can be remote, right? Yeah, there are some internships that require you to be there in person. Rachel Demolitor is a fourth-year sociology student who interned at the York Care Centre, a long-term residence for older adults. But when COVID hit in March, she left the placement and returned home to Nova Scotia. I didn't feel comfortable going back into York because it is such a vulnerable environment and I had been sitting very close to other students, I've been doing group projects, 
I mean, my life um, as normal. Yeah, Fredericton's been pretty lucky. I don't think we've had any outbreaks in a long-term care home, which is good. I mean, look at what happened in Nova Scotia. I think they had like 53 residents die because COVID got in there. It's a pretty dangerous place to work, and I totally understand being precautious. Oh, and by the way, Rachel resumed her internship at the York Care Center earlier this term, and now she volunteers there. Man, that's really sad. Those long-term care homes can be super dangerous. It's really scary. But continuing on with other internships, what are some other jobs that were difficult to do because of the pandemic? Yeah, uh, I spoke with Carter Scott, the president of Theatre St. Thomas. Uh, he interns at the Theatre New Brunswick um, as a student teacher. Over the summer, he taught a class of 30 student students between um, 7 and 10, which was tricky because of COVID regulations and social distancing. Also, unlike other years, parents weren't allowed to see the final play. Instead, they had to film the shows and send it back to the parents. But the pandemic wasn't all bad. He said it made them think outside the box when it came to performing. He talked about the musical, Come From Away, which is about um, people being diverted to Newfoundland during 9-11. To pull it off, he had to be creative when it came to staging. He decided to split the class into two different rooms, 15 students in each. One group played the Newfoundlanders, and then the other group played the New Yorkers and the people coming from away. And we actually did this walk-through, one-shot take of the musical that included all of the kids, but we were able to keep them in separate rooms. So we had to try and figure out new, like, experimental sort of techniques to, like, uh, make us one, one group, but we're working in two different venues. Wow, that's pretty impressive. It must have taken some real work to pull it off. It is great, though, that theater is still happening, and I'm sure the kids loved it. And also that Carter's using some of the skills he learned there to help with theater St. Thomas. And speaking of applying new skills, have the people at Experiential Learning figured out what's going to happen with future internships? Yeah, um, COVID changed the way workplaces do their internships. Claire said some might prefer to work on the online model, others in person, and some might opt to have like a blend of both. It just depends on the workplace. I suspect that a lot of people are seeking to go back to quote unquote normal and to just go back to meeting with people in person. However, now that they can hire people from all over Canada and all over the world, that means that they can find people who are the most qualified or the better better fit for their organization and that and if they want to keep that student then they are going to have to adapt to the work from home situation but I think that's a, that's great news to allow more flexible work conditions is only positive in my eyes yeah so it seems like the internships are working pretty well for most students um there's still that disconnect between like co-workers online but you know what can you do yeah tell me about it Anyway, thanks for looking into this, Jasmine. You busy this year, Shannon? Mmm, define busy. Do I have lots to do? Yeah. Am I doing it? Don't worry about it. How are you? Well, I've only cried in front of two professors stressing about deadlines, and I see that as a win. I've never cried in front of the professor of this class because I refuse to give him the satisfaction. Yeah, good on ya. And we both work at the Aquinian, and I'm pretty sure that every single staff member is losing their marbles this year. From interviews galore to constant editing, I may challenge our boss to a duel to win some free time. I know a lot of people that think students are lazy, 
vape their jewel pods, and play among us. But most of us lead pretty busy lives. And you know what? Online learning has been students are even busier than ever. Matt Daigle has this report. So I usually try and wake up at around 7 or 7.30. Uh, 7.30, 8.30 ish. Like 7.30 ish. 7.30, at latest 8. We get up around 7 and I get my son ready to go to daycare. I try to get him dropped off by 8 a.m. at the latest. I'll do a little work in my PJs before I get ready, and then I normally have to have coffee or I will die. I typically take meetings all throughout the day, uh, up until usually around 4 or 5 at night is when I finish. I start working for about, let's say, three hours or so, and then I have like a window uh, of time, uh, around four hours or so, uh, where I pretty much focus on doing schoolwork. I am employed by the Frenchman, and then I'm employed by ResLife, and I'm employed by the Writing Center. Sometimes I'll try and squeeze some lunch in there, but <laughs> I'm usually not very successful with that. Around two o'clock, I try to get in a couple more hours of work, but then every day by four o'clock, I have to start making dinner for when my son gets home at five. I try to split my day in half where I do school for one half and then work for the other half. Afterwards, I have to run out of my apartment. I catch the bus. I go to the mall and I work until the mall is closed. It's dependent on how much stuff I have to do um, outside of meetings for the student union. Um, I'd say probably get in about three or four hours of schoolwork done on a weekday. Like 50 to 60 for sure. Probably about seven to eight hours of schoolwork a day. I work mindlessly. I just like get this done, get this done, get this done, get this done, then go. I'm so burnt out. Ouch. That one hits home. I just want to sleep for like a year. Yeah, it makes me feel like running away and hibernating in a cave with a family of bears. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think living with bears would be rough. Like feeding yourself, catching salmon in streams. I can barely cook nachos without burning them. I could never be that self-sustaining. You know, you do have a point. I'd like to be self-employed someday, but the idea of starting a business myself makes me want to grab a pack of Canadian classics at the nearest Irving. That's kind of off-topic. But yeah, I would probably fistfight any customer who pissed me off. It's not really my calling. But some students have taken the opportunity during the pandemic to start their own businesses. For example, Con Do from Vietnam is the owner of Azusa Studio, a tie-dye clothing business. Melissa Pena is from Ecuador. She founded Milky Desserts, a business that sells healthy desserts with no added sugars or fats to those who love sweets but want to stay fit. Isolation News' Diana Chavez spoke to the two third-year international students at St. Thomas University who are taking care of business. I started in the pandemic because I think I have time 
because it was quarantine, I was doing nothing. So I was just planning for three months and I launched in June because after three months, I finally have enough resources and enough knowledge to actually start my own business. I was in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, the world was just changing. I was laid off. I didn't know if I was going to get a job. So I think like, why not start my own business and take the risk? I decided to start my business in March and it officially launched in June as Azusa Studio. It started four months ago, Milky Desserts, and I started this because I'm really passionate about healthy and wellness and business. It was a long process of just um, setting up for the business certificate, licensing, legal, setting up legal stuff and just doing everything on my own because it, it is a sole proprietorship, which means that I'm the only person running, operating, making all the clothes, selling it, promoting it, taking the photos, everything. But it's been really worthwhile. And until now, I think the business has been going great. Not not big and not like i'm not getting a lot of profits but the growth rate is really steady and i feel like i have potential to expand it to a, an even larger scale how i'm managing my business now i bake every 15 days and if i have any special order i bake one or twice per week Usually they are Fridays or weekends because I have um, that free space and that tiny availability for baking. So I try to do it either Friday or the weekends. And I have hoodies, I have sweatshirt, I have sweatpants, I have tank tops, I have um, face masks. That's five products already. very time consuming because I'm not just a part-time student, I'm a full-time student. It's, um, it's a lot to manage, I would say. I definitely not focusing on school as much as I could compared to second year and first year. There are great weeks, there are busy, busy weeks, there are weeks that I am very tired or I continue and I try to be a person full of energy. I want to escape the 9 to 5 life. Having a job that I'm happy to do every day and just not wake up and, oh, I have to do this again, is the dream life. And I'm already kind of living it. Even though I'm stressed all the time, I'm doing something that I like. To be completely honest, right now I'm just almost breaking even. But I believe in the future, my goal for this business is to, for it to become my full-time source of income. I'm only a third year student. And for me, I feel like my progress is good for a full-time student. COVID-19 was the door that opened me this opportunity. It was something that I always had in my head and the pandemic just was, ironically, it was just like an opportunity. That was Melissa Pena. 
and Condo Talking to Isolation News, Diana Chavez. And by the way, Diana spoke to the St. Thomas International Students Association to get some names for the piece, and she was amazed at how many international students have started businesses. A special shout out to these other international student-owned businesses, Van Van Jewelry, Work of Art Photography, Anna Marie Photography, The Doe Factory, and Viva Couture. Thank you to the International Students Association for your help. Wow, that's actually like super cool. Jokes aside, making something all on your own is really admirable. Yeah, I'm insanely impressed. These people really grabbed life by the balls and said, screw COVID, this isn't stopping me. <laughs> and while in school, too. School this year is difficult enough as it is. I want to go back to the summer when I could chill. This summer, I actually had friends hop on the Serb train while her other friend was busting her ass working at a cidery and doing her BED. Jeez, all these impressive people while I just want to sleep. I feel like the only thing harder than being a student right now would be trying to teach other students. I know I would not want to teach myself. Yeah, I was talking to Kathleen Jones. She's the off-campus representative on the student union at Stu, and she's an education student currently doing her practicum at Kingsclear Elementary School. I started by asking whether she thinks doing her practice teaching during this time of COVID is limiting. Um, I feel like it is prepping me pretty well. The only thing that I wish, because of COVID, um, I don't have the opportunity to become as involved within the school community because there are certain bubbles that you have to abide by, um, as well as kids aren't able to interact as they normally would have been able to. Um, So it is kind of weird. I'm not seeing as much interaction with the students. I'm not seeing as much um, just class time with multiple groups of students as I would like. Um, but with COVID, I think that they're, they're, doing, they're doing pretty well um, for uh, the circumstances. Could you tell me a little bit about like the atmosphere of the school? Like how are the kids? Um, surprisingly enough, the kids are adapting to this fairly well. Um, I know that they're, they only need gentle reminders occasionally for wearing their masks and sanitizing, but it's kind of become a, uh, a routine where they know they have to have their mask on in the hallway. They have to sanitize when they enter a classroom, when they exit a classroom. Um, and if social distancing is not available with another teacher that's not necessarily in our bubble, because teachers are allowed to go from classroom to classroom, they just have to wear masks. Um, they know that they have to distance or wear their mask. Um, they've, they've been doing pretty, pretty well with it. They, they even stay out of each other's zones on the, uh, playground, which was kind of interesting because there's no physical barrier. It's just, um, they've been told what line they're not allowed to cross and they generally do not push that boundary. So what made you decide to do your practicum, um, like during COVID instead of possibly taking a year off when things blow over? Um, so actually I had applied for the education program and gotten in, um, prior to COVID and, um, I've always had this plan of like, this is what I'm going to do. So I figured might as well do the education program during this year, even though it's going to be hard and it's going to be different. Um, at least this will give me the tools available if this were to happen ever again in the future. Um, So it's kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity being able to do your practicum and do your schooling during a global pandemic. Um, Because I know that a lot of the teachers that 
are currently in the education system did not ha have this opportunity. Um, everything was kind of not perfect, but everything was to the book. Um, and this year, there's so much uncertainty. You have to kind of learn how to um, think on your feet and be a little bit more adaptable. The kids are actually really, really good this year. Um, I've only been called bruh like once or twice, um, which is always interesting. And um, I don't know, I, I just find it really cute because I'm teaching intensive French. They have to call me Mademoiselle Jones, um, which is kind of funny because they do have difficulty saying Mademoiselle. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of cool in the morning being able to hear like, oh, good morning, Mademoiselle Jones. Even though they're like tired or not excited, they always seem to be excited to see the teacher, which is kind of cool as a teacher candidate, I guess. <laughs> Bruh, I don't know why, but that one in particular really tickled me. Anyway, it seems like all of us are finally adapting to COVID regulations and restrictions, no matter the job. Here's Hannah Rutterham with her own job experience. As Huddle's Fredericton intern for the summer, I should be waking up to this. Good morning. This is information morning from Fredericton. But instead, I'm waking up to this. Yes, here I am, Cape Breton, in the middle of nowhere, working from a stuffy bedroom with no air conditioning and a laptop in front of my face. When COVID hit, I packed up my apartment in Fredericton and moved back home to my parents' house in a little place in Cape Breton called Benyon. I felt like my life was coming to an end. School was killing me. I lost my grandmother in the middle of the pandemic and I was laid off from my job. I didn't think I'd be able to work in the summer, and at the time, we still weren't able to visit any friends, so I felt like I was wasting away in my childhood bedroom. Then, I got an email from Mark Legere, the editor at Huddle Today. He explained there was an open internship for a Fredericton business and economics reporter. I felt so dejected. I knew they would never hire someone all the way in Nova Scotia to cover New Brunswick issues. So I sent back an email explaining my situation, and to my surprise, Mark ended up telling me I had been approved for funding despite being in another province, and I got the job. Okay, so um, for this week, a few things that we want you to, to work on. Um, At first, so, uh, I was terrified, but I met the team, including Sharice Letson, who ended up being a great mentor for my pieces. And I had regular meetings with them throughout a typical work week. So good job on this one. Um, but the one thing that, um, one thing we want you to work on is your leads. So that's the one thing I've been noticing with your stories is that um, all of it's great. but it's I do about one story a day, which was pretty intimidating to begin with, because as a student, I never worked at that pace before. But as we kept going, it got easier and easier. There was a steady flow of communication between the team and myself, and whenever I was struggling with a story or I submitted something that wasn't great, I'd hop on a call with Mark and Sharice and we'd work through it. All right, so I was just uh, looking at your story, um, one about oddball snacks. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to, so I think you did a really good job with this lead. I know that's been something you've been uh, kind of struggling with and we wanted to, you know, you wanted to work on and I really loved what you did with this one. 
you kind of played on uh, I felt on top of the world and my writing improved day after day good job on that when I first got the job I was worried I didn't think I'd get the same communication and job experience that I'd have in a normal year I was worried that because I was working out of Cape Breton I wouldn't be able to come up with story ideas and I'd just struggle overall Okay, so your right. contribution to the COVID kitchen party. Wicked. And as I ended my internship, talking to my coworkers like Inda, Derek, Trevor, and Elizabeth at my last story meeting of the summer, I realized something important. And you know, it's something I realized again as I write this back home during reading week. My Aquinian colleagues have been on the ground in Fredericton covering an important protest against sexual violence. But because I came home for reading break, I'm helping out by working the phones from Cape Breton. Right, and that important realization about job experience? It doesn't so much matter where you're working from, but who you're working with that makes all the difference in the world. I'm Hannah Rutterham for Isolation U. Ah, the fiddle. Never fails to make me tear up. I'm really happy for Hannah, but she really sent me back to Cape Breton. Ugh, I'm so sorry for you. But yeah, all jokes aside, that was really heartwarming. Anyway, you're in your last year, right? So do you plan to head home when you're done with school? I'll go home for a few months to save money, but I'm hoping to take off to Halifax. I have zero plans, and that's the fun of it. I try to find excitement in the uncertainty of all this. Whew, that's daring. So you're not stressed about graduating during the pandemic? I'm a little worried about the job market right now. That's a totally rational fear. I'm just an irrational person. You know, that's completely fair. I think that no human being is completely rational. Still... Did you know that more than 400 million people worldwide have lost employment because of the COVID-19 epidemic? Not trying to scare you, but it's already difficult to land that first professional job. That has many calling for universities to become more career-focused than ever. As a result of the pandemic, King's University College, an affiliate school of Western University in Ontario, has introduced a job guarantee for students. To find out what the thinking is locally, we asked Isolation News Aaron Sousa to investigate how graduating students are faring in this job market. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Are students actually more worried about jobs than they normally are? Well, I found there have been mixed opinions. Some students are worried while others aren't. According to Stu's registrar's office, it's even too early in the year to determine how many students will graduate this April. But in an email statement, it did say uh, that the university graduated 481 students last April, which is about typical. I guess the question is whether there are the typical number of jobs out there. Yeah, and with so many graduates, it means more competition as they try to fill a small number of jobs. 
But what I think we have to keep in mind is that for a lot of students, job earnings have already been hobbled. Many people lost jobs because of the pandemic, and students were no exception. Now, there were some supports in place. The province did give out a one-time payment of $750 as a part of the emergency bridging fund for vulnerable post-secondary students, which required students to contact schools directly to be considered. But the problem is they had to be directly impacted by the virus, and they couldn't collect student loans, EI, personal savings, or other relief. So that criteria left many in the dark. But then shortly afterwards, Ottawa unveiled the Canada Emergency Response Benefit and the Canada Emergency Student Benefit, uh, which gave those who qualified $2,000 and $1,250 respectively. Now, the government also offered job support through the Provincial Job Board and Working NB. And on May 4th, they launched Job Match NB, which helped New Brunswickers get connected with available job positions. And that program was something that, that the government did as a complete revamp to its labor market and labor development initiatives. So it sounds like there is quite a bit of support available. So what's the problem? Well, it's mainly the fact that the pandemic canceled many summer jobs, internships, or other opportunities, as they did for one student I spoke to, Kristen Curran-Wall. She's a fourth-year student taking criminology and sociology. Now, because of the pandemic, her regular summer job was delayed by over a month. She was concerned, since she relies on that income, to pay for tuition and other necessities. So she had to apply to several different jobs to come back this year. Now, she was lucky because not only did she get hired elsewhere, but her regular summer job opened too, which allowed her to have the two paychecks coming in at once. So as a student, I asked her if she thinks the government should continue funding COVID supports and how she feels about job hunting this year. I think they're going to have to do something because I think with COVID still going on, people deserve to have something to help them, especially with not being able to find a job. And so you're graduating this year. Are you worried about finding jobs or internships this year because of COVID? I am a little worried because I know they're going to be limited more than they would be. Um, But I am hoping to find something um, just to continue on with so I can go to school again next year. So that was Kristen Curran-Wall, but not all students were so lucky. How so? Well, I also sat down with fourth-year gerontology student Hannah McQuarrie. At the beginning of COVID, she worked two jobs. She was an RA here at Stu and worked part-time at the Red Oven Eatery. But because of the pandemic, residentially and the eatery was forced to close. So she lost both of those jobs. Yikes, that really doesn't sound good. What did she do? Luckily, she landed a summer job as a youth support worker for Willistaquaic Family Services. Now that she's back in school, she's working for them part-time, as well as doing an internship at the York Care Center, and she's also a campus tour ambassador for Stu. So she considers herself lucky to have been given those opportunities because she knows a lot of people just don't have that. But she did mention that three jobs can be a lot to handle on top of classes. Have a listen to what she had to say. I was originally doing overnight shifts at WFS, so that was kind of hard with my other two jobs mainly being during the day and then trying to do schoolwork. Um, So I've kind of reduced my hours at that job, and now it's kind of like my 10-hour internship, then one shift at my other job a week, and then a tour a week if I can. Um, And that's, that's really been it. So it hasn't been too bad. I was really busy. I know at the beginning of the school year, like, I was just frantically trying to figure out how I was going to balance everything right. It's by no means has it been a normal year. And and honestly, if it wasn't my fourth year and if I was far and I 
didn't know I would be able to still do okay, I probably wouldn't have come back this year. And that was fourth year gerontology student Hannah McQuarrie talking about how challenging it is to work three jobs on top of school. But Hannah says she's in a routine now and the rest of the semester has been going fairly well. Well, she mentioned that if she thought she couldn't handle things this year with COVID, that she would have deferred to next year. Did you manage to find any students who chose that option? I did hear many students took that route, but unfortunately I couldn't gather any testimonies. I was hearing stories from news outlets like CBC that because students lost their summer jobs and internships, they just couldn't pay for tuition this year to return. And it was something that didn't surprise me, like on a global scale, as we mentioned at the top, an estimated 400 million people have lost their jobs around the world. So students have every right to be worried, and universities do too. They've been battered by revenue and enrollment losses and are trying to look for ways to convince students that a university degree still represents good value. So I reached out to Trevor Holder. He's the minister for the province's Department of Post-Secondary Education, Training and Labor. He says he's a big believer in experiential learning, something St. Thomas has tried to put a premium on in recent years with more internships and community outreach. So the minister is actually looking to ramp up these kind of opportunities in New Brunswick. Holder thinks it's vital for any student getting a liberal arts education to match up what they've learned in school to the labor demands here in the province. So here's what he had to say about how the government would like to help retain graduates in New Brunswick. I think we need to have a serious conversation uh, with our universities, and I'm having that now with the four presidents in this uh, province, uh, around a better alignment with education and some of those labor market demands. Now, I don't believe that university's sole responsibility is simply meeting labor market demands, but I think we could be doing a much better job at it than what we have done historically over the last couple of decades. And that was Trevor Holder from the Department of Post-Secondary Education, Training and Labor. Now, he also says that there need to be more opportunities in the private sector for experiential learning. And he also discussed how the government was funding a nursing program at UNB that wasn't seeing job results. So in that sense, he says the province needs to realign job offers in health authorities, for example, with the education coming out of New Brunswick universities and colleges. Nobody predicted this pandemic, and I don't know if anyone can predict the fallout. But do you think the attitudes of students and the approaches of universities could change significantly in the coming years? I think it's anyone's guess at this point, but one thing we do know is that governments that fund universities are piling up an awful lot of debt trying to keep the wheels on the economy. I don't know what the fallout will be on institutions like STU and UNB and Mount A, but it's not out of the question that universities could look a little different down the road. Aaron Sousa is a reporter with Isolation U. Thanks for looking into this. Thank you for having me. Well, that's concerning. (laughs) I know there's not a lot we can do about it, though, so I guess you just got to keep rolling with the punches. Yeah, my idea of becoming a self-sustaining hermit is looking better and better. But it's really amazing looking at all the people that have made the pandemic work for them. Not everyone has hit the brakes because of COVID. It's inspiring. Yeah, I feel the same way. And next week, Isolation U will ask whether the liberal arts university will be the next fatality of COVID. I'm Shannon Nickerson. I'm Laura McDonald. And for all the folks on this week's show, catch you later. (laughs) 
Isolation U is a production of the digital journalism class at St. Thomas University and the Equinian. Mm-hmm.